0: my potential in the wwe you are just dead weight holding me down when i should be rising to the top of the wwe you're the reason i have never been a champion in wwe i'm the star here i'm the future i'm where the money
1: is me and you we are good.
0: all of you people. All of you are saying that I
1: I disrespected a historic moment, or that I I made a mockery of the women's division. Or here's my favorite that I needed James
0: Ellsworth to help me climb the ladder and win the match for me. You know what I say to that? You know what I say to that? I say, who cares? Who cares, honestly, because I don't care. I have been overlooked and underestimated ever since I was the very last pick in the WWE Draft. So you better believe I am not here for girl power. That's for damn sure. I won
1: that match fair and square. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to episode two of Top Marks. Another wrestling podcast. Yes, uh, we we discovered well, the one thing that the internet did not have enough of, and we decided we would give it another, and that is a wrestling podcast. <laughs> Justin <laughs> Morris, at with you with me once again, as always. Is my name is Josh Custodio, and I feel like Josh, we did a pretty good job in episode one last Holy week. cow. I thought it was amazing. If I'm being honest, oh. I
0: thought I was with some other wrestling podcast yeah. this week. I was like, are you fucking kidding, player? In, this in, is in
1: terms of like overall wrestling podcasts that were released last week, I think yeah. uh episode one of Top Marks is indisputably the A show. We were one of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's multiple A
0: shows. Justin, I have to interrupt you here. Yeah. Um I don't know if you realize this. This is a big episode of Top Marks. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you guess why?
1: No, no, I have no idea.
0: So as we discussed last week, there is another lesser, you know super poor podcast called
1: Top Marks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this week, we tie them for total episodes. We we tie their output. Technically, if you look at their listing on iTunes, it says that they've done three, but two is disappeared. That's worse. It goes from (laughs) one to three, and those are the only episodes, which... I think, like, I don't want to speculate on what possibly might have been said Let's do it. on Let's their speculate. second episode, but I do feel like it was something super racist <laughs> that had to be deleted off the internet or someone was going to lose their job. You know
0: what? Now that I think about it, I listened to it. and There were some comments about Booker T that were, <laughs>
1: listen, yeah. it had to be erased from the internet. Like, I mean, if Vince McMahon says it while he's walking backstage in an on-air segment, that's one thing. <laughs> yeah, if you say it on a podcast, get out of here, pal. Uh, <laughs> so I also feel like the one of the things that we got a note on last week is that uh, the show might not have been like natural enough for two friends having a conversation, yeah. as you like kind of snuck into your, like, hello, I'm Josh Custodio, and you're listening to National Public Radio. Yeah, that was me trying to get my sex appeal across. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was National Public Wrestling. So yeah. That's that what it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I feel like we're already off to a better start in that regard already. Yeah, I'll try and have a worse voice. No, no, we're just, you know, it's more of a naturalistic conversation between two pals. This is great banter. Yeah, absolutely. I always am talking about, with my good friends, about how it sounds like we're having a great friend conversation. (laughs) 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 Man, this sounds so natural. That's what I'm always
0: saying to my friends. It's like, guys, this is just like we're hanging out.
1: Yeah. Uh, Of course, if you uh, have heard the show before, you know, but if you haven't, if you're tuning in for episode two, uh, the format is, we, we discuss... Us three topics every week and we will tackle them for a maximum of 15 minutes apiece. It is like in a WCW television title match. Once we hit 15 minutes, it's over. It's a draw. We move on to the next thing. And uh, there's a lot to talk about this week. So why don't you let the people know what our three topics are for episode two.
0: Topic one today, I'm going to say, is going to get a little controversial, Justin. A little controversial a little topic controversial. one as we wrap up Sunday's Money in the Bank event. Now we'll go over a bunch of the matches, Jinder Randy, Lana's debut. But I suspect that the bulk of the conversation is going to be around the finish to the women's Money in the Bank show. Very, oh.
1: very controversial. A lot of Kurt Angle, he was talking about it on the phone on Monday. <laughs> yeah, he's, he. I don't he's, know who he was talking to, but he was like, wow. Wow, did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. That guy loves his phone. Super controversial. I tell you, it was a controversy. And after we're done yelling at each other then He's always on his phone at work. He's like a fucking millennial man. Yeah. It's crazy. What is he up to, Kurt? (laughs) Just a sexy Kurt.
0: And then in round two, we're going to talk about uh, the tearjerker that started off our week in uh, Enzo and Big Cass no longer hanging out together. The
1: big main event segment from Monday night. Mm -hmm. Uh, The payoff to uh, kind of a month-long mystery angle yeah uh which i think we both really liked and we'll get into that uh and in
0: the third round today we're going to talk about how this plays into it why we think raw is currently the better show than smackdown
1: yeah which has kind of been the first time i've felt like that the entire brand split essentially it definitely is the first time for me so let's get into it with round number one
0: round one fight (laughs) so this sunday justin as you may know was Money in the Bank, the SmackDown brand, the blue brand, pay-per-view. And, uh, well, why don't we just start off the top with it? We had women competing for the first time for a Money in the Bank briefcase.
1: However, there's some controversy. Yes.
0: The women were not the first ones to touch the briefcase in this match.
1: Yeah, it's hauled down by James Ellsworth in the end, who gives it to Carmella after not being able to wake her up and... and push her up the ladder, uh, himself or herself rather. And, um, a lot of people are really mad about this and how it's just kind of a sexist look in that I think there have been like 75 or 85 ladder matches in WWE history. None of them have ever ended with someone who's not in the match actually pulling the case down themselves or the title or whatever. So that is a controversial finish unto itself. And the fact that it's the first women's ladder match of all time and that like, Carmella wins because a man had to do the work for her is a a controversial note, too. And now, trust me, I understand, like, why that's offensive, but I also think uh, a gimmick match that is designed to get heels over, specifically, like, heels that are on the cusp of stardom who uh, just need a little nudge to get to that next level... Uh, there's not a lot of ways that you can get heat on someone when you've built up this match to have such historic importance. And I understand that, you know... uh WWE still has a long way to go in how it treats women on no screen. No I, I do understand that. I know that the the work of, like, the revolution, or it's basically feminism. They just never want to say the word on mm-hmm. TV. I understand that the work is not finished, but I also feel like you uh, lose something when you are constantly trying to hold every single thing that women's wrestling does up to some historical standard right. uh, as, like, a, a, a signifier of systemic progress when the, the job is only done, like the, the revolution is only finished, when you aren't noting how everything is like that. Now, they are obviously doing their best to highlight that as they continue to put the women in gimmick matches that women have never had before, and that's really nice and cool, but uh, it's, like to be a heel in the women's division is really difficult right now when everything is supposed to have this feel-good historic moment. Now, I get emotional when I watch uh, women's wrestling and, and, and women, like, win the title for the first time, mm-hmm. I, I genuinely have cried at the end of, like, the women's title matches in NXT when wow, Bayley so won. I have no problem admitting that. I, I cried, like, during the curtain call moment that they got with the four horsewomen down there. They're just, like, big emotional moments. But there is something to, like having Charlotte be involved in those moments when she is supposed to be a clear-cut heel, or she was at the time, because, like, I believe that this is the only finish that they could have drawn up that would actually put heat on the heels that need it, and that is Carmella and James Ellsworth. We talked last week about how they're very talented, they do a lot of good healing, but it doesn't get a reaction. I don't think you can deny having watched SmackDown on Tuesday that they are now getting the reaction that they need to get. Uh, And James Ellsworth is probably one of the most booed heels on that entire program. He definitely is. He got more booed than Jinder Mahal. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you this. Do you think if Carmella is the
1: one that grabs the briefcase on her own, is she getting a you-deserve-it Absolutely she is. Like, There's no way that anyone who wins that match, be they heel or face, is not getting this iconic moment of like, of feminist progress and that's a great thing but in terms of like overall the balance of wrestling versus the balance of like what you want to see as a society is not necessarily the best result because I don't want to see Carmella get a you deserve it chant. I know that she does deserve it <laughs> and I agree with the chant on some level but it it's not the response that you want to a heel who is having her big moment as a top heel for the first time and like I I personally don't think that uh, you know. I think there's cheers no matter who pulls down the case if it's a woman doing it.
0: I think you've touched on a couple interesting points here, and I'm first gonna say the parts that I disagree with. Okay. Because I think we agree on more parts than we disagree. Here. Okay. I do think it is important that it was the first Money in the Bank match for a woman, and I agree with you that making everything into a history, and they've done it the the first time Natalia two women are gonna main event SmackDown. This mm. sort of thing I think is overkill. But I do think for the first Money in the Bank match for women, it's the only part of it that I am sympathetic to. That if some younger woman is watching at home thinking,
1: oh, you know, why why did
0: the man have to get involved? I totally, I think that that is a completely valid concern. But I think you have to take things within the context of wrestling. Mm -hmm. This is still a wrestling show. When they're saying, oh, they made it all about Ellsworth. I don't feel like Miz's current entire Intercontinental run has been about Maurice. Do you?
1: No, not really. And Maurice has won... The, him the title multiple times over. Damn near every Every single time.
0: Beth Phoenix and Santino. There, there's examples of this throughout time. So when people say it is making it about James Ellsworth, I think that might be searching for something. To me, it is making it about a heel tandem doing shitty heel things. If Ellsworth would have come in and gotten physical with the ladies, laid them out, proved himself to be the more solid competitor, mm-hmm. I think that's a terrible look. But that isn't what happened. This guy is continually
1: the butt of every joke. He cheated. He, while the well, women... Well, knocked. I mean, you can't break the rules, to, but like, you know, it was underhanded what he did to set himself up to pull down the case in the first place.
0: Unquestionably. Like, while the women were all down, yeah. he climbed the ladder, threw bite, it to his...
1: And he himself downed the number one baby face in the match. Also
0: that. <laughs> it's... So I don't know. I Do you think what they did on Tuesday's SmackDown, does that... Does that Answer any of this criticism to you.
1: I feel like it undercuts the heat that they're going to get by redoing the match. Because ultimately, Carmella needs to have the case. She's the only person... We talked last week. She's the only person in that match that it makes sense to be Miss Money in the Bank, and she stepped up to the plate and proved that she was the right choice with the promo of her life to kick promo. off the show on Tuesday. It was incredible stuff. Where did that come from? I have no idea, but her and Cass both, like, <laughs> they've been taking acting classes in their weekends or something. I have Doesn't... no idea. She Let me just say for killer. those who may not have watched. Yeah.
0: So, after this, uh, come Tuesday, SmackDown, Daniel Bryan, the general manager of SmackDown, comes out and says that there's going to be a rematch. So next Tuesday, they're going to redo the Money in the Bank match.
1: Now, SmackDown very much has been driving towards watching the TV instead of like pushing everything towards pay-per-view because their ratings have sagged significantly in recent weeks. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. As we head into next week's show, we already know almost the entire card of what the matches are going to be for that's next true. week. And a lot of them are pay-per-view rematches. But like just that you know what you're going to tune in to see is better than what Raw and SmackDown do most weeks where they just assume that you're going to tune in because... They have you. You're a diehard. They don't actually give you a hook to tune in for it. Maybe until like the promo that plays on Raw the next or the day before the show. Um, yeah, true. So that's a good step, and I do want to see them do the match again. But having banned Ellsworth from ringside, Carmella needs to find a new underhanded way to win again because she still needs to get heat. She needs that heat, and. Like, her new look is great. I love the money tights. I love the promo that she cut. Everything about what she's doing makes her the perfect choice to win this thing. And I understand people saying, like, oh, well, if this had been, like, money in the bank match for women number three or number six or number seven, like then I could see them doing this finish and it not being such a damaging thing. Well, I'm sorry, but, like, these are the circumstances that we have right now. These are the gimmicks that we have in place for these people right now. And if this is what you want to do, and if Ellsworth and Carmella are the way to go, which they very clearly are, then this is what you have to do right now. You cannot treat every single moment like it's this fucking historic platform to do the right thing. The right thing is treating it like real wrestling that just happens to have women in it, and I I think that is what they did on Sunday, and it has been construed by uh, outrage culture that is calling it short-sighted booking, when really it's short-sighted outrage. This is not the end of this story. We're going to go towards a match, probably at SummerSlam, where Becky Lynch puts James Ellsworth through a table, or maybe a stack of tables with a Floater <laughs> suplex, and I want to see that so fucking bad. Uh, I talked to a girl about the the match the other day. But uh, you're a wrestling fan and you talk to girls? Yeah, and I know a girl who likes wrestling and I t- asked her about it and she hadn't seen the match um, just because maybe she just missed the pay-per-view or what have you but I told her what happened and said, what do you think of that? And she said, you know, I think it's accurate because men steal accomplishments and accolades from women all the time. The only difference is we're actually going to see him get his fucking ass kicked That's interesting. Um, I hadn't considered that. Because this is not the end. This is the first step towards a new beginning, basically. This is not James Ellsworth getting the last laugh. He is gonna eat it really hard. Like, maybe even worse than he did at the hands of Braun Strowman. (laughs) That's what he's hired to do, is to take nasty bumps that a common man never should. That's the reason he has a job. And this time it's going to be at the hands of a strong woman, and it's going to be awesome to see it happen.
0: I do think it's worth noting, too, that the biggest pop on SmackDown on Tuesday was
1: when Daniel Bryan did threaten violence on James Ellsworth. Yeah, because people want to see him get beat. I want to see him get beat. Yeah. Uh, but I do have one more thing to say, and that is that we are 15 months removed from women having the best match, undisputably, on a WrestleMania card, mm-hmm. and like, you know, at some point we we need to just accept that women's wrestling is wrestling with women in it, and not, uh, and not like a a something that you read like feminist critiques into. Because I do feel like. Feminist critiques of James Ellsworth miss the fact that he himself is a feminist critique. The entire point of his character is that men are shitty. Like, he had that promo a couple weeks ago about all of the reasons why he wouldn't bang all of the women in the ring. And the joke is, of course, that no one would want to bang him, which is, of course, the joke on half of the men who say those things about the women in that ring in the first place. Uh, I want to know More than half. Like, 98% of the men who say sexualized comments about female wrestlers, or just women in general, are, like, detestable human beings. That is the point of his character. And, like... To miss that point because you don't think a man should be in a woman's space in the first point, in the first place, I think is to miss the boat on what makes him special as a performer and what the overall point of this story even is. JMO was shot out of a cannon on oh, oh, this one, ladies fucking and gentlemen. fired up today. Look at this. I love it. <laughs> so we got less than four minutes here to go over the rest of this card real quick. Let's do it to it.
0: Luckily, I don't think Lana and Naomi is going to... Here, I'm going to pose it in one question to you. You're going to yeah. give me a yes or no answer. Sure. Do you want to see Lana wrestle again?
1: Uh, at the moment, no. Okay. But, but, like, the potential is there for a yes, but she needs a lot more work. There were a lot of rest holds in that match that just made no sense even <laughs> like from a physical perspective. Leg. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, I think her 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 finishing move looks really good. And the fact that that was all that they showed us last week got me kind of excited for the match. She needs more moves than that. And yeah. honestly, I think it's, she's not that far away. Like, she only needs to effectively have maybe six moves in her arsenal. And, then, like, how much training can that really require? Seen only had five for years. Next question. The Usos
0: versus The New Day. Was this The New Day's
1: best match? Probably, yeah. We've When we talk about The New Day, we often say that they uh, have had a legendary, historic run, but you can't really point to any great matches over the course of that time. It was a really, really great match with The Usos. The finish I wasn't sold on, but this was this card top to bottom. A lot of people said it was like the worst WWE pay-per-view in years. I, I, saw, m- I saw multiple people saying like, this is it. This is my breaking point. I tune out after this. We had so many worse pay-per-views already just this year in both Payback and Fastlane. Fastlane was the worst pay-per-view I've probably ever seen in my life. Uh, There was that whole Jinder Rusev thing that went on for at least 45 minutes. In fact, I think it still might be going on right now. (laughs)
0: Uh, Is that Um, what Rusev's doing? (laughs) Yes,
1: that's what Rusev is doing. He's still wrestling uh, the Big Show or whoever the fuck he fought on Fastlane. That's where he's been.
0: Give me three words about Jinder.
1: Over? Uh, like, working his best matches right now. I know that's not a, a, a one-word response. Yeah, that's... But him and Randy, I'll say the one word will be chemistry then because they have it. Randy is working the best matches that he's worked in a little while. He has better chemistry than anything anyone he's feuded with in quite a while. Jinder is working his best matches of all time. This is back-to-back pay-per-views where he's doing his best stuff ever. I thought this past one on Money in the Bank exceeded where he won the title before also. And, like, it's hot. I want it to continue.
0: Consider that Jinder is having better matches with Randy Orton than he was
1: AJ Styles or Sami Zayn. Yeah, it's insane. Well, uh, and Kevin Owens is an insane bump machine, yes? Yeah, the main event was great. I think we were all disappointed that Sami Zayn didn't win, and I was especially surprised that they went with two heels with the briefcases this year. I was too. Because for a two-hour program, that is a lot of time to dedicate in what's really an hour and 20 minutes to two heels with the same gimmick. And you saw them run into that problem this week with Baron Corbin basically not even being on the show on Tuesday. He made a brief appearance in the main event, teased that he could cash in on a title match at any time, but it was funny to me that Kevin Owens got a promo for why he didn't win the match, (laughs) and the guy who did win it didn't get to say anything about why he did.
0: I think Corbin's going to be holding on to it for a while, because there's no way he's going to cash in on gender. We're going to wait this out.
1: I think we're going to wait that out with both briefcases. We talked last week about the importance of trying to um, you know get rid of one of them immediately because it's too many briefcases on a short a short show. But uh, I don't see any of these people holding the case uh, for less than, you know, three, four, in some cases, maybe even seven or eight months. Like, I do feel like we are a ways away from a Baron Corbin title push. Finally, give the pay-per-view a letter grade. Oh, uh, probably a C+, but, like, that's only because the finishes were disappointing. On the work right side of things, I thought it was a pretty good show. I'm giving it an A+. Because <laughs> you're sexist. <laughs>
0: Uh, probably a B-minus for me, I would say.
1: Alright, that's 15 minutes! And we're off to round two. Round two, fight! Uh, Justin, have you stopped crying yet? I, I have never.
0: You're still crying? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to me. We're, of course, talking about the Enzo and Cass breakup that happened this week. In the oh, main I event thought portion. you
1: were asking me about the Festival of Friendship. I'm oh, still you're, crying you're still crying about yeah, the Festival yeah, of Friendship. absolutely
0: I am. Uh, no, I am, in fact, talking about the main event segment from Monday Night Raw where Big Cass, it turned out he faked his own knockouts and was the one attacking Enzo the whole
1: time. Um, we've talked about this privately and with a bunch of our friends also that there were essentially three ways that they could have gone with this angle. Um, uh, like <clears throat> you get the one that we got, which is Enzo, uh, you know, finally wearing thin on Cass and Cass turning heel uh, to knock him out or or what have you, uh, and being the one who attacked him, and then faking the attacks on himself, that's that's route number one. Route number two is the other way around, where it's an Enzo heel turn, and Big Show is the one who's been doing it, but, well. but was doing it to attack Cass, uh, on Enzo's behalf, and was doing it to Enzo so that he had a cover initially, like like you gotta rough me up so I look like I'm really taking yeah, you know, okay, take yeah, the yeah. heat off me initially. That's route number two. Route number three is that the most obvious answer all along, the Revival the greatest are in tag fact team of the answer time. but because there have been so many seeds of doubt and suspicion and, and Cass laying the blame on Enzo's new friend and Enzo feeling threatened by the fact that, like, hey, man, this guy's my buddy, like, leave him alone, he's not doing this. We see the dissolution of their friendship anyways, even though neither of them are behind it. And it puts extra heel heat on the Revival, who get to claim that they broke up this pair uh, just by being like sneaky oh, douchebags right? let Scott Dawson do everything yeah and Scott Dawson's promo ability is incredible so those are the three routes, and in some ways I feel like what we got is kind of the least interesting of the three I don't agree at all
0: no? not in the least I thought that it might be when I was t- thinking of these possible options I was like eh, if, if there's no feud there Castle Ooh. just run over Enzo What? what is the feud? but when I watched the main event segment last night I think it's worth noting that I didn't think Enzo and Cass were stale I think I'm the only person on earth but I was still enjoying they
1: that. never got the run that they were like seemed de- like destined for, but they worked that from- into the story. Absolutely, that is the reason why it happened. And I understand that.
0: When I'm watching that main event segment last night, and again, this is like so much in wrestling. If the performers can perform, you can get things over. Cass cut a better promo, maybe by ten times, than I've ever seen him cut last night. Enzo can cry. I mean, this was a sympathetic babyface in the truest form because what can Enzo do here? Mm-hmm. If he wants to get any sort of comeuppance on his old pal, he has to go recruit somebody. Like, are, Do you think they're going to have a match?
1: Um, I think the match is going to be Cass versus Big Show. Yeah, I think so because too. Because Enzo versus Cass is not a match that you can make competitive in any way whatsoever. Maybe you do a handicap match. Enzo and Show against Cass, and like gives Mm. him someone to tag in. But I still like don't really necessarily want to see this. Uh, There's a lot of questions about what they can do with Enzo at this point going forward because, uh, you know he has if he's gonna be a wrestler and not just a manager, which I think he could be a fucking excellent manager. He needs to be a tag guy, and I guess like two weeks ago we did see that him and Show is a really, like, quality combination. And the crowd reacted to it, too. Super well.
0: And so did I, him spelling out soft. I think there's a lot of places you can go, and there's an overarching theme. I think this is the sort of thing Raw needs more of. Mm-hmm. At the end of that show, I want to watch next week. I because want to you see need follow-up. to know
1: where it goes from here. It,
0: like, they could feasibly have Enzo Amore alone opening Raw next week. That, oh, to, very much so. And they, they had the main event. But... I want to stick on Big Cass here for a moment. Do you think there's a real star potential with Big Cass?
1: Very much so. I saw it from the moment that he was in that Final Four showdown. Well, there's no the need vacant, to brag, Justin. For the vacant Universal title last year. Oh, yeah, the he, four-way. Yeah, it was him, uh, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. That's right. And he got eliminated about as quickly as the Big Show did in that WrestleMania four-way in <laughs> 2000. Like, poor he was in the Big Show role big in show. that match. Uh, But he showed, like, this star power on his own while Enzo was out that, to me, shows restraint on the part of WWE, which we don't often say, uh, that they were able to put this off for so long when they have clearly had designs on him getting a singles push from basically the beginning. I'm so
0: into it. Yeah. Like, I don't think Big Cass as a heel can enter the main event picture soon enough for me. Mm -hmm. I want it's fresh blood up there. Look at SmackDown with Jinder Mahal right now. I'm
1: not sure that he needs to go to the main event scene immediately. I think, like the Intercontinental title would be good for him. He seems like the the kind of guy that that belt is perfect for and it hasn't been on in a while. Because, like, you and I both love Miz and Dean Ambrose. So yeah. I you, you probably love Dean more than I do, and I probably love Miz more than you do. I love Dean more than I love myself. Uh, <laughs> um, but, like, it seems like that belt is holding those guys back, even though it looks good on both of them. It really does. And, and like, it's a fun program. It seems like carryover from the programs that they were already working in SmackDown, and they're just bigger than that belt. They don't need it. It's like that belt was my favorite when I was a fan back in, like, 1998, because you knew if somebody had the Intercontinental title that they were going to be a big deal. That was, like, the work rate champion. It really was. And I'm not saying that Cass is, like, the work rate guy on Raw by any stretch of the imagination, but It is something that they haven't done with that belt in a while, which is like, you know, don't just put it on a guy who's a main eventer outside of the main event scene. Put it on a guy who is the future and should be working matches at his level that have an importance that that belt gives to it. And like, you know, it's the same thing with over on SmackDown. The U.S. title is basically the fill-in number one belt as it's being feuded by Owens and AJ at the moment. I definitely feel like Baron Corbin is more of a suitable guy to be holding that title, even though he's got his own thing to hold on to at the moment. And <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about that because that's not the topic we're focusing on at the moment. But I do, I am excited to see Cass finally win gold because that seems where we're finally going now that he's shed his dead weight. And, like, he is a good heel. I think you could have still made him heel, though. Even by having the Revival be behind the attacks. Because he's the bad guy in the dissolution of their friendship in that scenario still anyways. By just being jealous and shitty of like Enzo making a new friend.
0: Yeah, I I think there is really something to that. There were other ways they could have gone about it. The Revival are probably my favorite act in wrestling right now. Absolutely, top guys. The top guys, baby. We go hard all day, all night. But I think, again, when I'm watching that main event segment, if Cass can put in some some decent big man matches, okay? Something to the effect of a Big Show brawn, which I love from earlier Yeah, he's a,
1: he's a perfect addition to the current collection of Hosses that no they have doubt, on the roster.
0: But that they weaved in that they had never won a Because t- when you think about it, it yeah. doesn't make sense
1: for Enzo and Big Cass to win when a you, title. But it does though especially the people who had the belt when they were in NXT like we're talking about guys who were there while the VOD villains were champion while Blake and Murphy were champion while the fucking Ascension were champion <laughs> you know like the, that the, all of those guys had like decent lengthy runs, and Enzo and Cass never sniffed it. They teased a feud with American Alpha, but they got called up before that, that right. could happen.
0: But all of those other teams you mentioned, don't get me wrong, Enzo and Cass are a better team in terms of presentation, but those other teams have equivalency within the team. It is two great competitors. They are a tag team. Mm-hmm. Enzo and Cass matches are effectively handicap matches.
1: Yeah, I mean... it every tag match is in a way, right? You're building to that hot tag no matter what the combination of stars is and I do feel like there's always a little guy and a big guy in not... every group. It's not as pronounced as it is with Enzo and Cass, but that is the dynamic of basically every single tag match. Has Enzo play. won a singles match? I feel like he's lost every singles match. Mm, probably not. Um, and I, like I think that there is probably some mileage of putting Enzo as a single into the cruiserweight division, and, Ooh, and maybe I hate that. Like I know that work rate wise he cannot keep up with those guys at the moment but it seems just like the a similar way to when like spike dudley was the cruiserweight (laughs) champion because he was so entertaining and beloved by the crowd he was a great champion even though he might not have had the best matches now Enzo is a worse worker than Spike Dudley at no this question. point, poss- probably, definitely. I think, I think doing that eliminates a
0: lot of the goodwill Enzo has with him right now. I think if Enzo goes and manages somebody right now, a lot of the goodwill that Enzo has from the fans right now, the very sympathetic babyface, is going to get put onto
1: whoever he tags I player. honestly want to see him win the tag titles without Cass. I want Ooh. Enzo and Show to be the Raw Tag Team Champions. Wow, that is a really interesting because idea. Then, because then Enzo gets to say... I was holding you back, bitch. You held me back all along, and I'm like in a babyface way. But Enzo could run with that. The way he can talk. Can we talk about Enzo's acting
0: these past two weeks?
1: The last two weeks, Enzo has been the best actor in the company, and not just crying on command, uh, because like that takes a lot of skill, obviously. But just the way his eyes were welling up, everything about his reaction, the way he like turned around before uh, the match, or before the as the reveal was happening, and was like. I know that there's more to this. Like, there's more than what I'm seeing here. I trust you. I know that this isn't you. Like, just having that, like, desperation of not wanting to believe your best friend could be sabotaging you... Of course. ...was great. And then, like, last week, the way he questioned Big Show, to me, that was even better. That was, like, the best acting that Raw has seen... In years. I think
0: we had both mentioned that too last week. Yeah, that we just snuck it in even though we weren't
1: supposed to mention it. Yeah, how dare <laughs> we?
0: But it's... It, and that sort of acting and the character building... These are the things that I really like in wrestling. Work rate is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. And not to take it straight too far from it. But you can get a good match on Raw on SmackDown without trying hard... But actual characters with investment, you understand why Enzo was hurt. He was doing the research into if it was his friend or not, and he could not believe it. He was, just like any person
1: would do, searching for
0: any reason mm-hmm. for to not be cast. This is his guy. Yeah, And then he gets a boot to
1: the head. Now, this is the last avenue that we haven't explored yet do you think that Enzo could have effectively been a a heel also? Because I do feel like the likability that you talk about when you say why they wouldn't turn Enzo, I feel like Cass was a pretty likable guy also and could have been a natural babyface coming out of this, as like Enzo is a diabolical schemer yeah. using people to, you know, go get to his evil ends, basically. I um, think the
0: best Enzo run will probably be a heel, a heel run. manager. He is innately annoying. Like, yeah. you
1: look at him, the way he
0: dresses is annoying. His yeah.
1: haircut is annoying. I remember, like, Sheamus as a heel booted him in the face and People got cheered. a thank you Sheamus, thank you Sheamus Chance. Sheamus. Nobody has ever cheered thank you Sheamus in the history of WWE <laughs> until he kicked Enzo Amore in the face so hard it looked like Enzo died. But
0: I think this was right, because from a physicality standpoint, you can't have Enzo be the heel against Cass unless you bring somebody else into it.
1: Yeah, well, the thing would be that him and Big Show would be heels and he would be the the mouthpiece. Yeah, but then Big Show would have to turn. <laughs> Well, didn't he already? (laughs) I think he may have. Because it seemed like he was a heel at the beginning of this. Like It was looking like he wasn't going to put up with Enzo's shtick, and then he fully embraced the cast role of being that second half of a typical <laughs> Enzo promo. That itself was a turn already, so I got no problem with him doing two turns in two weeks. That seems like <laughs> about the big that's, show pace. I think that's maybe a little bit under his normal if ratio. If anything, the funniest thing that happened on Raw was him saying to Kurt Angle, you know me this long, and you think I would, <laughs> I would t- turn on someone in this so way? That so good. And he just walked out disgusted. And let's end on this. Cass,
0: where did this come from? This promo—is he a more natural heel? Is this where? Where did this come from? I don't.
1: I think it's giving him material that he has some sort of personal connection to, in part, mm. something that he can dig into. Because I feel like for the duration of their being a tag team, Cass has always uh, been the guy who's just like finishing something that Enzo scripted. Right. I don't know that he's really had an opportunity to dig into his own voice so much as he's just been, like, uh, <laughs> the wall that, like, the squash ball that is <laughs> Enzo Amore keeps bouncing off wow, of. Well, that's,
0: that's a really nice compliment to Big Cass. Yeah. He's, he's the wall.
1: Well, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I it's, do. it's very rare that you... That that he initiates anything within a promo it's always just like Enzo is just doing all of it and Cass will like pepper in some examples of whatever Enzo's talking about and when it does go to him for his side of carrying the conversation he sounds like he has been concussed many times (laughs) over the course of his career and maybe should be wrestling every single match with one of those like giant poofy helmets to protect his brain the
0: only thing you can really go
1: off of is when Enzo got the concussion he sounds stupid is what I'm saying he's he he sounds like a big, dumb lump.
0: <laughs> when <laughs> Enzo got concussed by the Vaude villains and Cass had those couple weeks of singles runs, yeah. he sounded super dopey. Yeah. So I don't know if that was him trying to be likable and not succeeding, but as a heel, I think there's a ton of upside to Cass, and I'm excited to see where this thing goes. Yeah,
1: I'm really excited uh, just to see another new singles star added to the mix on Rob, um, because... You know, they have a glut of them at the moment, but they also don't. Like, the fact that yeah. we're looking at heading into money, or not money in the bank, uh, heading into Great Balls of Fire, <laughs> where Finn Balor's opponent is probably the Drifter. Oh, that's going to be great. Like, I have been into the Elias Sampson gimmick for the last couple of weeks, but from a, a work rate perspective, I don't think the Drifter is a good opponent on any level for Finn Balor. It seems like a waste of Finn's talents, especially at one of like the big summer shows. In closing for this, I would like to say uh, Big Cash should go teach everybody else in the company his big boot. Oh, for sure. It's the <laughs> most... He, he There's something about him that reminds me of Test. Yeah, and it's that the, he looks
0: like Test. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> that he looks like him. He has the same hair and that yeah. he has a devastating big yeah, boot.
0: Yeah, that's what reminds you of Test. He looks like Test. Anyways, here we go.
1: Round number three.
0: Round three. Fight. <laughs> well, Justin, I think we agree for the...
1: How long has the brand been? been a year? A year uh, like, and a bit? Yeah, a little... Little oh, uh, when, when, fucking, when did it happen? It's less than a year because I think it happened in August of last year. I was a young man when it so happened. It, just, so just we're it. coming up on one year of brand split. Okay. in August here.
0: I think for ninety-eight battleground of that, last
1: year was the final non-brand right, split. That's right. The Shield. Yeah, yeah. Right, right,
0: right. Uh, I think that for the bulk of that, SmackDown has been the show that I prefer. It's the show that I would, I wouldn't miss. That I would constantly defend as the better show, the better cast, the, the better everything really, the better in-ring, the better storylines.
1: It's not only been the work rate show, it's been the show that has a smaller group of people and then therefore has to have more of a plan in place of what it's going to do. It feels like Everything that's happened on SmackDown over the course of the last year, basically, has been, like, foreseen a long ways away ahead. Because because it's a shorter show, they're able to script more in advance.
0: Well, and for myself, I, you can't eliminate talking smack from it at all. That's oh, part it's, of it's SmackDown. It's the biggest today, bonus by far. Unquestionably. But I feel like we've turned a corner, Justin
1: Morissette. Yeah, we talked literally last week about how we are uh, blue brand guys Mm -hmm. who are happy to see the the Money in the Bank pay-per-view go to SmackDown as it's my favorite pay-per-view going to my favorite brand. And, uh, yeah, Raw is the better show right now. We and, look really stupid, don't well, we? Well, we we do and we don't. I have a follow-up comment Okay, you look really stupid. Second. I look good. <laughs> maybe. I was team Raw the whole time, guys. Uh, secretly.
0: <laughs> so, let, let's start on the flip side. You're wearing side a Raw
1: here. shirt underneath your SmackDown shirt. I really am. <laughs> um,
0: what has what, what SmackDown lost in the past little while to you? What's Where's the sizzle gone?
1: Uh, Well, we talked a little bit earlier, um, maybe even before we were recording, about, like, you know... Uh, Raw just feels fresher right now and I feel like as much as I was happy to see Smackdown get the money in the bank pay-per-view it almost had the same chilling effect that like the lead up to uh, Survivor Series did because I loved Mm. I I loved Survivor Series as a pay-per-view but the build to it was super disappointing because it was like both shows had to put all of their programs on hold for like five weeks in the lead up to it especially when some of those programs were hot and like we saw on Tuesday them suddenly get back to these things that they had to press pause on for like five weeks or however long the build was for SmackDown to get to Money in the Bank. Like, you know, that Kevin Owens-AJ Styles feud... Was super entertaining for me before, like in the lead up to the last show, uh, which I don't even remember what the last, I guess it was Backlash. Backlash they had a yeah. great match there. The build to it was good. Um, I
0: liked the foot in the desk finish. I thought it, that was cool. Yeah.
1: And like the fact that that had to be put on hold or. At least incorporated into a larger feud that didn't really let it continue the way it needs to on its own. You lose some momentum. Yeah, and like at this point when you come back to them now, they start to feel stale because they've been around for a while. But how much focus have you actually put on that feud in the time since it started almost none yeah exactly so uh i do feel like having money in the bank and and putting those six guys into that feud and and uh you know tying them up there as opposed to letting them continue to run their course through their individual feuds uh you you are losing something a little bit uh but like there is an opportunity for them to get back to where they are i also think that right now uh, I'm personally personally of the belief that SmackDown came out ahead of the changes that that, that took place during the Superstar Shuffle. Yeah, yeah. I think that's,
0: that's probably like right.
1: They won the trades overall. I think so. But they won the trades in such in, to such an extent that the show almost has too much depth right now. Well, because uh, they have like really excellent talent that just is not on the show this from is the week thing. to week. I think if you're looking at the difference between the two shows right
0: now, for me anyway, you're looking... Solely at the mid cards. Yeah. The SmackDown mid card, the, the Luke Harpers, the Baron Corbins, this sort of space are not, there's not a whole lot of feuds they, going on. They might
1: not be on the show for like three weeks oh, at a time. Where's Ty Dillinger? Yeah. When was the last time we saw Chad Gable before Tuesday? You yeah.
0: Know? Yeah. The the last tag team champions. Not when even they, on television. When they were the
1: tag champs, they weren't even on TV. There were weeks of not on TV.
0: Uh, but I think you look over at Raw. Okay. So I. I I love Titus O'Neil right yeah. now. I love the Titus brand. I think this is the best fucking idea going. I mean, he here is this guy who's Who can't zero really wrestling, work. zero yeah. wrestling, one hundred personality. And whether you like it or not, that's personal taste. But he is
1: oozing personality. He's, he's a good hot tag. I can stand him in is tag he? matches. Dude, yeah, man, I... he can throw people around. Like it's really fun for. Yeah, me that's to one watch of the two spots he does like, is that throw people. But like. That's what you need is a hot tag, you know? True. Like, the tag match that he worked this week with Apollo Crews, Apollo did all the work, mm-hmm. and then, like, just got to be the the guy in peril long enough that he made a hot tag to Titus, who came in and did his thing. So you've got that. You've got the Goldust R-Truth feud, which is... I mean, how it's, mu- it's petered out a little bit in the build to the match. Like I wasn't as into it this week as no? I have been, but week to week, I do find it one of the most entertaining things on the show.
0: Would you agree that it's much better than it has any right to be? Absolutely. Very much. Like so. they are over
1: delivering in terms of like, why it's, am I
0: investing in our truth match?
1: They have been doing this partnership, both the lead up to them joining forces and now the dissolution of it for like, feels like nearly two years yeah. Like the, and I think that is accurate actually. That build went for like 8 months before they even joined. Yeah, where
0: they were trying to, that they lose. <laughs> it's kind of great. Yeah, <laughs> but,
1: but like this is the best that they've ever been. This is the best that Gold Dust has ever been in a long time. And granted it's just a throwback to what he used to do in his old gimmick. And I think but I think that's good. Yeah. I think it's weirdly timely too. Yeah, because Raw for a really long time before this latest shuffle was a very top-heavy show and even the top end was not that Heavy, like you had your big four guys in Seth, Roman, Jericho, and Owens. Yeah. And like that went on forever. Outside of those four, like the only person on the show that booking seemed to give any sort of shit about was Braun Strowman. And he spent all that entire time just working dummy matches against local talent. So it's not like he's really. Uh, like, obviously, he did benefit from it hugely, and uh, the payoff of course. was worth it, but, like, you're not placing him against, like, a Sami Zayn, though when they did, that was the best thing going, I thought. That was, like, the only time I'd been interested in the Raw undercard until this current run of the last three weeks was when Sami Zayn was feuding with Braun Strowman.
0: Papa Braun doing cool shit on Raw week in, week out is also just must-see TV. Oh, for
1: sure, for sure.
0: Him choking out, throwing people places. He's he's the best. He is so much of what I love about pro wrestling.
1: But right now you're reintroducing him into a card that, like, almost doesn't need him. It super doesn't need him. Like, it benefits from having him in a huge way, and he's definitely one of the top stars on the show. But this is three, at least very good, if not great, Raws in a row. I think so. I I I would say great. I can't remember the last time you could say that. Like... I th- I think most people would agree that the best Raw in a long time was the one right after the brand split when Sasha won the women's right, title yeah, on yeah. Monday night, um, and that looked like oh my god they've turned a corner here and Raw is going to be must see every week. But it fizzled out again like within <laughs> like yeah within two weeks almost immediately. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- there's a
0: lot to like. And for a three-hour show to be mostly filled, now I think their tag division is going to need some love with the leaving of Enzo and
1: Cass. But, but I mean, if, if you put Enzo and Show in uh, that place, yep. you're not really losing a team. Sign so much me up for Enzo and Show versus ref- the Revival. Refreshing something. Oh my god, I want to see that so bad. And just having the Revival back and being able to work again I think is going to reinvigorate the, the tag scene there quite a bit as well. I really do like... Um, Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah, they're great. I feel like they have lost a little bit having both A, to job to the Hardys for like three Three months months. straight. And B, like, they were really over as babyfaces in a way that they do not have heat as heels. And honestly, their heel turn just made me like them even more. Well, and here's the thing. Like, when they decided to toughen up and kick the shit out of the Hardys after that match, I loved it. That was needed. I was hooting and hollering. But, like... You know, they're now trying to work this heel gimmick that is, to me, not quite connecting. Well, here's why it's not connecting.
0: Cesaro is not a good heel no, promo he's not. at
1: all. No, he's it... not. And you also just turned Seamus when he was at his most likable of all time. When when Seamus gave Mick Foley that hug
0: goodbye, that was purely the most I've ever been into Seamus. Not only as a babyface, but the most I've ever been into Seamus. It seemed genuine. And it seemed like with the, the, cutter, the, the bar scene, you remember mm-hmm. this? Yeah. They were doing a lot to sort of like Shame is the guy I've dumped on for years. And I'm like, they're sort of getting somewhere. So I agree that the heel turn seemed... I get why they had to do it, because mm-hmm. he was
1: going to feud with the Hardys for eternity. But, when I mean, you would hope if the Revival hadn't been injured that they wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And, like, it might be That's too soon true. to flip them back, but I hope they do. Because, like, I want to cheer for that team again. I like them. I think that this the bar gimmick where, like, we are the best is still a gimmick that you can pull off as a babyface because like I said I cheered for their heel turn. Wow. Like you just need to find that kind of Steve Austin fucking badass babyface with a heel edge like to be a tweener again. Mm-hmm. And I think if if Sheamus and Cesaro are given tweener material instead of heel material, like keep them tough, keep them badasses, Aye. keep their current like look. And and
0: I would cheer for that for sure. I don't know about the bar thing. I don't think somebody saying that they were the best in the world would ever get over as a babyface. <laughs> I, I don't. It seems too braggadocious. I think it doesn't. It doesn't make any
1: sense. Uh, but I do agree with you that 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 is the difference. Like I'm super into the raw main event program right now too. Like obviously one of the driving forces of the show being as good as it is right now is this Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar program. And Lesnar isn't even there. Yeah, but again, I think. He, even if you just took that away it's you'd still, still be left with a good show that is like finally making full use of its 3 hours like the number one thing that you can point to now as a weakness for Raw is the cruiserweight division like hey. th- like to me that's what i said when people were like oh well like there's so much more to work to be done in the women's division before like people start taking it seriously or whatever now granted the women's division on Raw is dog shit and it's been dog shit for several like months basically Real at this dog point. Shit tier. Since they since they put the belt on Bailey at Fast Lane, the raw women's division has been god awful. Well Bailey's really bad now. Yes. So that, but but Alexa's cut
0: some good promos.
1: Alexa is talented. I think Bailey is talented too, but they're both just they're shanking the hand it's bad booking. It's not bad talent. Um, and I, I think, you know, the number one thing that I said to that critique of like, oh, we still have a long way to go is like, you know, the women's matches are not the bathroom matches anymore. That's no. not when you stop paying attention. There is one style of match on Raw that people don't give a shit about, and it's the one with purple ropes. Well, and here, here's one more thing that I think you have to point to about Raw lately. Roman Reigns has been considerably more enjoyable. But here's also a reason for that. One of the reasons why I really liked Roman this week on Raw is that he lost. Like right. Roman is good when he is not elevated at the expense of everyone else.
0: He's also good. He's speaking with so much more confidence. He has some swagger. Braun He's...
1: is his best opponent ever.
0: Ooh, I'd have to think about that. But they are super well matched. Yeah. Uh, when you have a Titan, it's the... even
1: just from like a promo perspective. I'm interested in listening to what Roman has to say when he's talking about Uh, Strowman. And there's not a lot of opponents for which that's true of a Roman Reigns promo. What about when he called Seamus a potato? That was pretty (laughs) funny. That was... Remember that? But like, you know... You're a potato Seamus. Granted, it's not like Joe beat him clean. No. But it's not like Strowman beat him clean either. Like, to be a compelling babyface, you have to have seeds of doubt. Like, you actually have to overcome something. And they're finally putting obstacles in his place that they're telling us he cannot beat. And that's the first time in almost like three years of booking Roman that he is not just John Cena Superman. You have no doubt in your mind that he's going to walk through anything they put in his way.
0: If I do have a small complaint about Raw right now, it's that Joe is going over these guys, but none of them are clean. I think going into this Brock Lesnar match, they really have to get the clean a Clutch over as this
1: devastating... Clean win, no distractions. Rollins was distracted. Reigns was distracted. They still have three more weeks, though, I think, yep. before the pay-per-view, which it- gives you three more TV matches where he can just choke someone out. Now, the problem is he has to do it to someone that is important. And actually, like even though he's probably tied up in the Enzo and Cass thing, I think Big Show is a, probably a good pick ah. to be someone that, uh, that Joe can choke out. Because, like, I think you need someone who can take the loss but also has a big enough standing that it means something that Joe's able to choke them out. And there's not that many guys probably on Raw right now to whom that fits.
0: There really isn't. And I think Big Show's an interesting choice there because he does have steam even in those two losses to Braun Strowman. They were great matches. I think there's some steam to him, and I think that's actually probably a good pick.
1: And of course, one person who's been a huge boon to the Raw, uh, you know, enjoyability factor lately, who we haven't even mentioned at all yet, is Seth Rollins, who I love, is one of my top guys. I don't like him very much. Uh, But I think, you know, just as someone who I have really enjoyed from... Uh I like I'm an adult so I like heels. Sure. And he was a great heel. I think even the people who didn't like him as the top heel had to admit that when he wasn't on the show for like 8 months, the show suffered significantly no by question. not having yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. He's extremely entertaining and I think that part of the reason it's not the main reason why Raw has been so good over the last 3 weeks, but you again have 3 weeks in a row where Seth has really found his stride and found his voice as a babyface promo. And you you can make fun of it as much as you want that his topic of conversation this week was being honored to be on the cover of a video game. (laughs) That this isn't my cover, it's our cover. Yeah, that's hokey as shit. It is hokey as shit, but you cannot deny that the crowd was eating it up every step of the way. And for Seth Rollins as a babyface to embrace the audience and say, this is not about me, this is about us and I am honored that you have embraced me is a huge step for him because it's what he needed to do months and months and months ago and Vince, in all his stubbornness, refused to let Rollins openly embrace the fans. The gimmick for him was that he was just slighted by Triple H and being mad that he was no longer the top heel was enough to make him a face, which is fucking bullshit. You
0: can't count me as a Seth Rollins fan quite yet, but there's no question that he found his babyface voice. And eh. No,
1: fifteen minutes. Oh man, I was about to say something really good. Too. No, well, save it for maybe the questions here. Yeah,
0: let's get into some. Uh, thank you all again so much for sending in some questions. And if
1: you want to get into the uh, Top Marks Pod mailbag, just follow us on Twitter at Top Marks Pod. And what's your name on Twitter, Justin? If they uh, just want to at Justin Morris. And I'm at Josh C
0: with a zero for the O. J zero S H C.
1: All right, what do we have in the mailbag
0: this week? Do you want me... Oh, yeah, I'll go first. I'll field one from you. Okay, sure. here you go. You ready? Yeah. This is from Brock. And he asks... Lesnar.
1: Big fan from, of the show.
0: Oh, man, I hear he loves us. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's... I have nowhere to go here. Yeah, he's, he really likes it. Does he, do you think he He has no idea what a podcast is,
1: right? Uh, He probably does. Like, he lives like... He's a, he's a man who prides himself on living in isolation... Mm. And I think that's, like, the primary audience for a podcast listener. You who know? do you think
0: Brock Lesnar would like more, you or me?
1: Uh, probably you. Like, I think, yeah, I, I think, I think I'm so. too big of, like, a big sissy man. Like, he, oh. he was listening earlier when I said I cried during women's <laughs> matches when someone who hasn't won the title yet wins it. Like, I cried when Becky won the SmackDown title also.
0: I'm such a fan of Brock, but I, like, imagine I don't want to know his views on anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the question. and Thanks for sending this in, Brock. What three wrestlers should be brought up from NXT to the main roster today? And who on the main roster would be relegated to NXT in exchange for them? So I talked to him a little bit more about what he was asking here. He basically wants to know... To do an an, uh, NXT to main roster swap. Correct, but not to get rid of people off the main show. Who could use a little bit of improving in a certain area in NXT? And who's ready for the big time to come up?
1: Uh... I think this is like kind of a cheat answer for who should come up, but I would bring up sanity as a whole. Oh, I feel like. You know, there's probably some individual parts within that group that do need more seasoning. But they're also, I think if the Wyatt family taught us anything, it's that you can hide guys who aren't ready by being part of a larger stable. I mean, Braun Strowman wasn't ready for a year and a half while he was still on the main roster, but he had the look. And like a guy like Big Damo or Killian Dane, rather, like. He should be on the main roster right now. He is the best. He's awesome. Like, he can work great matches. You don't need him to really speak in the role that he's doing right now. He's ready to be on primetime television. I think Eric Young was ready before he got to NXT, obviously. Years of seasoning before even walking through the door. Uh, and I don't know about you know Nikki Cross entirely being up to that challenge on, but like there are also women on the main roster right now that she is leaps and bounds ahead of too. So I'm forgetting about the the third the, the fourth person in that group. Oh, the guy uh, who looks like Josh Barnett. Yeah, the other tag partner or whatever. Yeah, I forget his name. Me too. He sucks. But oh come uh, on, he's like, great. He's, we love him. Obviously, he, he's like the Eric Rowan of the group. Like you Whoa. don't need him to be good, he's just an extra body for the crew. And I think that having an additional stable... Uh, on the main roster, no matter which show you put it on, is beneficial. Obviously, there's guys who are really good and could be on TV today. Like, I think Aleister Black being in NXT is a waste. But if I'm going to use three call-ups, and in fact a fourth, to bring a woman up also, I'll take all of Sanity. Who are you sending down? Uh, well, this is not a controversial opinion, but Dana Brooke needs <gasps> to go back to NXT big time. Oh, well, she, she sometimes can hit her finisher, though. <laughs> <laughs> she's a, She's a good... Actress. Oh. I find I like her character work. I, I really do. That. As a babyface, maybe not so much, but I do like she is a good actress and I do enjoy the roles. Like the one week that they paired her with uh Anderson and Gallows. Oh even though that was during the peak of Anderson and Gallows like shitty anti New Day comedy, some of the worst stuff that WWE has ever put on television, like oh. the old day and all that. I thought that she was, like, an intriguing addition to that unit, and I thought that they, the three of them were funny together as heels. But I think rest- she's without redemption. Her wrestling is dog shit, and she needs to be sent back down to NXT. Um, I probably would have said Apollo Crews before he joined the Titus brand. Well, now he's straight to the main event. Now oh, he's yeah, from Titus brand. Yeah. Rocket to the top. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were way better at making the sound than I was. I'm way blacker than you. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, who is just not ready and has nothing uh, there for them? Honestly, like I love American Alpha, but they're not being used on SmackDown. You yeah, could probably put those guys back down too. And NXT could use some tags right now too, for sure. Uh, uh, who, who's your
0: picks there? Well, I think having like you, you touched on it. I think Alistair Black needs to spend absolutely zero more minutes on NXT.
1: He's uh, he was too good for the brand from the moment he made his entrance <laughs> and for they, his first match, and they know
0: it with the stand-up entrance. So like it, it's all there. Yeah. I, I don't think he needs one more minute. I want to see him versus everybody. Uh, yeah, Alistair Black was my absolute first choice. Uh, somebody, and I've talked about this too. Somebody I find myself enjoying way more lately. Is C N? Oh yeah, Uh, he he's
1: uh, he's so weirdly consistent, and I think there is a character there for some of the rich playboy heel. Like it's a classic like sports trope. It's a a A guy who's more interested in the party lifestyle of being a professional athlete than the actual work and required them. to be a pro athlete. And and it's a gimmick where he can lose every match oh, yeah. forever, mm-hmm. and I don't think he loses anything from his overall appeal as a character, because we're just constantly told that he has all the talent in the world and is not applying himself. And think of the vignettes you so could like, do. Eventually, he turns the corner and gets serious and just rattles off wins, and we knew that he could do it all along. And that's, He just didn't care.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And, and finally, uh, who I had put down was that I would really, really like to see your guy killian dane up there he doesn't even need
1: the rest of sanity for me get that guy on my television more often i i i loved his look in the battle royal at wrestlemania <laughs> he looked like a like scandinavian like troll hunter who was like transplanted into the match from like 1600 or, so or like 600 ad just like the way he like almost is wearing like um like it's kind of like a giant diaper. The basically, diaper. He looks like a big hairy baby. Like, no idea who Gronk oh, is. yeah, like he should. He should have like a giant wooden club that he carries down oh, to the ring. Is... If he was, if they were still doing hardcore matches, that would be his gimmick. He just has like a giant wooden club, <laughs> like a caveman that he just thuds people with constantly. I'm unbelievably into this. Yeah, I uh, love it. And of course, you know, you said that he had your favorite finisher last week. So I did, and I think I stand by, by that.
0: And who I'd send down, i got to share Dana Brooke with you. Um, I would send Enzo Amore back down at some point, because I, I do think there's really something there with Enzo. I think he has real star potential, real charisma.
1: He just can't work a match well enough on his own. He
0: needs to get down there. Or I'm not saying he needs to, but if they want to have him as a wrestler and really get him to be as big of a star as possible, I say send him down and let him wrestle a little more. And then I would say doubly for Alicia Fox. She's somebody who I think has parts of her moveset that are totally there. She has a good character. But I think a little bit more fine-tuning would be, uh, yeah, very good for her.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, This is a carryover question from uh, last week that we did not get to, to address on the show last week. This comes to us from Marlon Phillips, who asks, As tired of a shtick as heel foreigner is, with so many cool heels now, what is a better way to get heat on a character?
0: Yeah, the cool heel is an interesting thing because it is super prevalent. I think even during Rollins' heel run, he really had that going for him. Not a lot of people are actually booing. Oh, him. yeah, like a... I booed him out of respect. Sure, exactly. And I think some people do that. I think Kevin Owens has a bit of that. There, yeah. There's a I lot mean, of
1: examples. I, I cheer for Owens just because, you know, he's like my he's like my WWE avatar. He's <laughs> he's my like self insert. <laughs> Uh, Even though he's, like, way more athletic than I will ever be. uh, It's just nice to see, like, a fat-bearded guy doing awesome things. Yeah, that's like me with Cass. Exactly. uh, (laughs) Really.
0: Um, But in terms of things that you can do to get a good heel, uh, heat, I think Baron Corbin is a good example in the way that – I think something, if I could sum it up, that makes a cool heel is somebody that, you know, is sort of a little edgy, maybe a little bad boy. Somebody you might want to have a beer with. yeah. No part of me wants to hang out with
1: Baron Corbin. Part of the problem with Seth when he was, like, cool healing, and, like, one of the things that they always do to get a heel heat in the building is to make fun of the local sports team. But that only works in the building. Yeah, if you're it's... watching at home, which, if they're traveling through, you know, all 50 states, like, 49 out of 50, Who cares? you're going to think that that's hilarious, I... what the guy's saying. I think, you know? that,
0: I think that heels don't need to be having these blow-away matches. I think that it is important that Corbin has his cool spots that he gets in, but he slows things down. You're waiting for the babyface to break out and make things more interesting. This mm-hmm. is a very old wrestling trope, but people have
1: gotten away from oh, the era like of work, Kevin right? Owens being the king of chin locks or whatever. Yeah, the headlock doing. master. Yeah.
0: But, do you remember? But again, and he's he's cut back a lot of this, but when Owens first headlock came City. up as a heel, the cannonball, the moonsault, like...
1: He hasn't done his moonsault in a, in a really long or time. Or the cannonball. Yeah. Because
0: he realized he's a healer. And he doesn't need spots. to be. He's unquestionably babyface bots. And I do think Kevin Owens has an amazing babyface face. Now, Rollins
1: really never changed his babyface uh, moveset. Yeah, I guess that's true. The top it? heel, really. But
0: I think, I think moveset plays a lot of it. People aren't going to cheer somebody that they find boring. Boredom is something somebody who's making things actively less interesting.
1: And the irony is that Seth got put in the position to be the top heel. Because his babyface moveset made him the best worker in the yeah, company. Also, that, that is uh, <laughs> flies in the of my face. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: be, besides that, I think if you have a a great talker, yeah, those are the people you need as babyfaces. I don't think you need your best talkers as your heels right now. Yeah, I think entertainment gets cheered, and entertaining people are going to get cheered. When I'm watching stuff on my TV that I'm into, I don't want to boo those people. Yeah, but. I think somebody, uh, Seamus' run against Roman's another good example. Just comes out, cuts a medium promos. Matches are medium. I'm not saying that you need all wrestling to be this, but to answer the question of how to get heat onto heels, I think those are some ways.
1: Uh, you can also uh, take down the briefcase in a women's match. That's probably a pretty good way. to I do didn't it. say that, ladies. Um, <laughs> but I uh, I think there's like an almost an overdose of foreign heels, specifically on SmackDown at yeah. this point, because you've got Owens doing it as a French Canadian U.S. champion. Both champs. You've got Jinder Mahal doing it as uh, the pride of india and you don't even have room for rusev on the show right now because you already have these two dominant foreign heel acts and honestly like i want to see a rusev babyface run yeah i don't know that now is the time to do it but actually now might be the perfect time to do it because so funny yeah he is the funniest i think he is by far the funniest person in wrestling um, remember and, when he called Dolph Dog Ziggler because yeah, he pisses uh, himself cold fish Lana <laughs> and amazing he threw, stuff when he, remember when he threw the fish up the ramp and, <laughs> in like a fury that's yeah. like one of the funniest things that's so happened good. On Ra, uh, in this era anyways like he he just is naturally funny and it's it's part of what you just spoke to which is like a heel can't be too entertaining or you're gonna really like them and I do really like Rusev a lot which might make now the perfect time to pull the trigger on turning him face Especially because he's been off TV for so long, it's like a fresh start for him anyways. I think he will get a hero's welcome when he appears on television. Oh, I, I think that's... And so you may as well learn your lesson from Seth and just actually lean into it. Go with it.
0: Yeah. I have a question here from Todd. Uh,
1: Justin, I love this question,
0: and uh, I hope you're going to love it too, okay? Sure. Do you feel prepared to fall in love? I, I, I'm I a single man. I'm ready for anything. Oh, hey, ladies, what's up? Ready to mingle. Of the three original Wyatt family members, one has to shave their beard and effectively have Dolph Ziggler's gimmick. <laughs> Who do you think would most excel in this role and why?
1: Um, before I answer this question, I want to add one more addendum to the last one because Dolph Ziggler reminds me of something that you kind of were touching on there with, with Baron Corbin. I feel yeah, like ahead. I talked about this last week and why I liked the Ziggler versus Nakamura uh, feud, and I actually thought their match on SmackDown this week was was excellent. It was better than their Backlash match. Dolph is like the only person on the roster who can take the Kinshasa and make it look unbelievably devastating. And part of that is that he actually leans in to taking it, as opposed to it just being kind of like a floppy knee thing to the chest or whatever. I think Dolph relishes working Strong Style matches because he's one of the like in-house WWE guys who never worked the indies, who wants indie cred. Oh, that's interesting. And thinks that like if I let Nakamura actually kicked the shit out of me, people will probably notice and like me at home. And I definitely do. Um, But the way he was able to get heel heat in that um, feud is the same way that Corbin has been able to do it, both in NXT and a little bit on his main roster run, but not so much. It's people that disrespect the indies. People (laughs) who act like any wrestling outside of WWE doesn't, doesn't exist or doesn't matter.
0: Literally, you wouldn't make it in the Fed.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's nothing that internet fans hate more than that. And when they t- when like that's what you have to do is be able to tap into things that people actually hate in <laughs> real life. And like that's what the Ellsworth thing was, you know? Like as much as women hated it, it's like you're being worked right now. (laughs) Like you're giving them the response that they want because they are touching a nerve that is raw enough to actually get a genuine response and there aren't a lot of nerves like that left in our present society. But being a... WWE only guy who fucking hates indie wrestling and acts like it doesn't it's exist really and good. doesn't matter. That is a great way it to get really heat good. in 2017. Uh, one guy from the Wyatt family who has to shave and have Dolph Ziggler's gimmick, <laughs> and, and they it, have to excel. And excel, I think it has to be Luke Harper. Oh uh, no way! Because Luke Harper is the work rate guy. He, he like he doesn't really have a character. He's never had a character outside of like Bray Wyatt follower and like cult villain or whatever. But he was always the work rate guy in the Wyatt family. Uh, He had that dynamite match at TLC, the ladder match against Ziggler for the IC title a few years ago. Or uh, I guess like a year and a half ago. Like he, I think, is the only guy who could excel at that because the only reason that Dolph excels is that he is a work rate guy. Like the gimmick is trash. And I think that uh, if you put Luke Harper into a position like Dolph is often put into the position of being a guy who is not going to bring much to the table character-wise, but is going to carry a match from uh, a work perspective, I think Harper deserves that opportunity. And he doesn't get it nearly as often as, uh, as he should.
0: Well, I wish I would have gone first there because that was a really good case. Uh, mine will not hold
1: up, but I'm going to say Eric Rowan. He
0: sucked. <laughs> so does Dolph. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're picking the dog shit guy that you hate because that's what you think Dolph Ziggler is. I'm
0: picking who I think are the the worst person because I think Dolph is the worst person.
1: Oh man, how can you not give it up for? I mean, he didn't do a whole lot in the Money in the Bank match other than like scamper over. Uh, Corbin's shoulders yeah, while he was climbing which I thought was actually a cool spot yeah, but like right. how can you watch that like Nakamura match this week and not be like Dolph actually rules well just like when he Eric probably Ro- like the best zigzag of all time on Nakamura well, this week it's
0: just like when Eric Rowan hits the spin kick every now and then they can get something <laughs> great in
1: <laughs> Shut up. We got a question here from uh, my co-host on Real Good Show, John Cullen. Oh. Uh, John asks a a very good question and says he's doing it to try and keep us in business. And, John, we appreciate that. Thank you, John. Uh, He says, using four wrestlers currently on the WWE roster, build a stable. Decide what their name and gimmick would be and what is their debut angle. I think this is great. Uh, I will try to get
0: through this as briefly as possible because I spent a long car ride today (laughs) thinking this way out. Okay. (laughs) So uh, forgive me. Dean Ambrose is currently feuding with The Miz. He ends up losing this feud because of the new people flanking The Miz. Bo the Dallas entourage. And Cur- the entourage. Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. This leads Dean to cut a promo about he's always getting outnumbered, but if there's one guy who knows something about strength and numbers, it's Dean. He built the Shield. He led the Shield. He was the most successful member of the Shield, and God damn it, he's going to come back with some numbers. Dean disappears for two weeks. He reappears flanked by Austin Aries. Rhino, and the newly healed Big Cass. Rhino also having turned heel at this point, breaking up with Slater, which I feel like they've been teasing they're, lately.
1: They're going to do it for sure. Yeah.
0: Dean, Austin, Rhino, Cass. They come out. Dean is fully turned heel. He comes out and cuts a promo how, listen, if playing it straight isn't going to get it done, I'm here to hold gold, and I've done it before, and I'm here again. Austin Aries is a great guy to be standing by his side. Can also talk. Can it also be...
1: elevates him out of the cruiserweight division. Exactly right, but and he... turns him to his natural alignment as well.
0: Bingo, Rhino's there. He's. I think Rhino is underrated on the mic. Sort of weird. Has a good charisma. And the newly healed Big Cass is going to end up being the sort of star out of this. He's the
1: muscle. He's coming in. He's big booting idiots left and right. So I, for I think the one of the most important things for every faction is that they have someone who can slot into every division. Ex- and in this case, I would say you have Dean Ambrose as your universal title guy. Mm-hmm. You have Big Cass as your intercontinental title guy. And I didn't ever think about it before, but I kind of want to see like a Rhino-Austin-Aries tag team. Oh, man, do you ever.
0: <laughs> For their debut angle... Oh, and their name's Max Violence, by the way. Max Violence, a throwback to Dean Ambrose, formerly John Moxley's old finisher. Mox Violence, they're and it, Max Violence. And it,
1: and it speaks to how, like... Uh, you know, ruthless they are.
0: Exactly right. Their first debut feud, they come out, they're going to take over, this sort of thing. Seth Rollins comes out. You didn't build the shield, Dean. I did. I'm the architect. You don't know anything about this. You need to stop, stop, whatever, soiling our good name, Mm -hmm. this sort of thing. Roman Reigns comes out, flanks them. The boys are back in town. They put the fists in and they stare down Dean, but it's four on two. Cass, currently feuding with Enzo and Big Show, hey, Enzo and Big Show get in in this. You have Enzo wrestling Austin Aries for the small guys. You have Dean versus Seth Rollins, which is always fire. You have Spear versus Gore in Rhino versus Roman Reigns. Oh, my God. And you have the muscles fighting each other in Big Cass. Did
1: you really, like, think out the perfect... You know, opponents as well. How much time did you have? It today? was
0: like a 45-minute drive. Uh, I'm okay. really happy with this. That's
1: great. It is wonderful. I love everything about it. Max violence. But I think you're really going to like what I've got lined up I'm here. Sure I will. because it's sure Because it's not really me uh, going out on my own and, and creating something brand new. It's just taking something that we already love from the current programming and spinning it in a way that they had the opportunity to but chose not to, and that is, of course, the Titus brand. Oh, yeah. You and I are big fans, big fans. of Titus O'Neil uh, and what he's been able to do over the last couple of weeks for Tazawa and Apollo Crews, two guys with all the talent in the world in the ring, but no promo ability. And now, because Tazawa and Apollo Crews are such likable characters, it doesn't look like they're going to take this in the way that they were originally teasing, that, mm-hmm. that, um, that Titus O'Neil is a big-time heel and that he is still. I still like, want that. And and yeah, because I, I, it's part of the fun of it originally when they paired Tazawa with him is that like he seemed like he was very confused about everything that was happening. <laughs> like he was a a lost babyface who had accidentally true. joined a heel faction, <laughs> which was super funny. And like, there's a lot of comedy potential in that. But if you're also gonna have Titus be his mouthpiece. Uh, in this feud with Neville, then Titus needs to be purely babyface, which I think is still a good use of him, but not the best use. I because heard. my faction is called Titus Worldwide. <laughs> and it is uh, taking him <laughs> and, and like turning him into the kind of like, agent power broker that, like, Jay-Z wanted to be. Remember when Jay-Z was like, I'm entering sports management. I'm going to be the agent for, like, top NFL draft picks. This is already so good. It never happened, really, for Jay-Z, but it can still happen for Titus. He is going to be... Like, it'll be gimmick infringement on Pitbull... But you know, like I feel like Pitbull's working a heel gimmick as a babyface performer. <laughs> like Mr. Worldwide. Like that is the, the biggest heel nickname to give yourself in the world. So his music also innately heel. Yeah, although some people like it. Titus Worldwide, and he's gonna he's gonna surround himself with talent because he is a Hollywood power player. He is oh he's in the entertainment business and he's gonna work his connections to get all of his stars the best deals and like the biggest roles and the most most prominent placement that he possibly can. He's now, Ari Gold
0: from Entourage, exactly.
1: And as an agent, he needs entertainers to work with. So he is going to surround himself with the A-list actor Miz. Oh my God! Who has recently broken up with his wife and needs new management. And he's also going to pair himself with uh, a, a, ma- a visionary director in Gold Dust. Oh and he is also going to get into the music business with the drifter, Elias Sampson. So those are your four guys. It's Titus Worldwide. And you, again, have someone who can be in every group. We talked a couple weeks ago uh, as friends, not on the show, uh, because we do have conversations as friends that no, we don't now record. We're, now we're just co-hosts. Uh, <laughs> about, um, you know, who do you think you could inject into the main event picture of WWE the same way that they've done with Jinder, like an out-of-nowhere right. hot shot into the main event scene. And as much as I do think that... Titus is not the work rate guy in any of his pairings, and do I really want to see him work a main event match? Not really, but I didn't really want to see it with Ginger either, and it's paying dividends because his character work is so good at the moment. I think Titus can be that guy. He can be the guy who is going after the world title himself because he wants the world. He's Mister Worldwide, oh and Mister Worldwide needs the world title, even though it's the universe. Right, right, right. Like right, right. it's the universal title. what sure. He's the top guy. He wants it. Uh, you've got your tag team potential. That there uh, in maybe the Miz and Gold Dust, because I would love to see those <sighs> the guys. The actor and the director. Yeah, that's a great duo, and I feel like those guys are both so funny and so good at getting heat that they could be entertaining heels that still get booed because Miz uh, is like a guy who walks that balance all the time. And then you have your your mid level you know guy in the IC picture who in this case would be the Drifter because I I've really enjoyed his gimmick lately even though his matches aren't altogether uh, quite where they need to be. Dude, so I don't I, can, I don't have an introductory angle, but uh, that's my team, uh, Titus Worldwide, baby. Dude, that is excellent. Yeah, that is.
0: I don't know what to say. You blew me out of the water. Oh, yours was pretty good too. Though. Yeah, it was. It was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I thought it was good. I want to see Titus Worldwide. Like, I want this to be a thing. Oh, I I, I want actor, it so director.
1: bad. I want it so bad. I uh, I'm blown <laughs> away. Uh,
0: let's get to the next question here. This one's from the Maddie Mac on Twitter. Thanks for sending in a question.
1: Justin, yes. when will Bo Dallas rightfully join his brother to become an unstoppable tag team? Uh, When are they finally going to pull the trigger on Bray and Bo together? I feel like Bray needs some time as a singles guy all by himself for a while here. And he's actually clicking in this Seth Rollins feud a lot better than I thought he would. Surprisingly so. We talked earlier about Seth really finding his voice as a babyface promo, but I feel like the two of them have chemistry in a way that I was not expecting uh, because I really thought this was going to just be a makeshift, like, placeholder nothing feud for both of them. It felt and like it would be. It's drawing kind of the best of both guys out. Totally and, agree. And, like, uh, Bray needs a, a, an extended run as a singles guy with no uh, allegiances to anyone for a while. Like, just give us that clean break from the Wyatt family for a while that I think he needs to reestablish himself as a dominating force of a heel. Um but it you know my fantasy booking for Bray is always like who's another superstar that you can pair him with to yeah. make a dominant tag team. Well, I want to awesome. see Bray and Samoa Joe go for the tag titles. I want to see Bray and Roman go for the tag titles. Roman. And against uh, eventually like 7 years down the line once you've already had him be like a four-time tag title champion, he's already won it with Randy, he can win it with Joe, he can win it with Roman. That is interesting. Uh, then you pair him with Bo and go for, <laughs> for for tag title reign number five.
0: Well, I was with you until you went from him tagging with Roman Reigns to Bo Dallas. <laughs> well, but... <laughs> there'd be a
1: long break in between those two. And of course, like him tagging with Roman would be kind of the same thing that they did with Randy, where it's like... It looked like they were going to do that the day after WrestleMania last year, uh-huh. when they were about the most interesting that they've ever been paired together as an unlikely tag team. He did that finger guns that led into the oh, spear. Oh, he shot the spear. And it, like, it looked like, oh god, dopest. if you just run with these guys as a tag team right now, give them the belts, and then when they lose them, that is the impetus for them to implode on each other and do like Roman Bray round three. I'm ready. My body is ready. I'm always ready for more Roman and Bray. They work really well together, and it's one of the most interesting uses of Roman Reigns that you can do, too. So That, where you made the gun for the spear, that best, was... Best moment on Raw in, you know, the t- last year. A top 10
0: wrestling gif.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's my go-to gif for sure. Um, oh boy I'm a
0: gif eh? uh, so, I'm a gif guy uh, I'll say that I agree with you that Bray needs a little bit of time to be established on his own but I'd like to see Bo with him eventually it makes some natural sense uh, I like what Bo's doing now with the entourage I think that's going to be and really good he's got a good.
1: good look right now since he's grown out his hair and his beard yeah
0: um, but I wouldn't hate it down the line uh,
1: yeah I mostly agree with you alright we have another question our final question here this one comes to us from Cowboy Tom Tom Hanna at Tom Online and he says uh, hello Tom who has the best t-shirt in the WWE?
0: Currently, right? Yes. CM Punk. <laughs> That's
1: like current. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, uh, well, geez. I, I like a Balor's current shirt. The Balor Worldwide with just the,
1: the lightning bolt on it. The plain black with the lightning bolt. I like the that DC shirt. The DC lightning bolt. Yeah. Balor Club. Uh, it was a good look. I really liked it when it first debuted. And I'm also going to go with somewhat of a recency bias selection. Uh, because like we haven't even seen the guy himself wear it, and he probably never will, because he doesn't look like a I wear t shirts kind of guy. Talk about Papa Braun. It, it debuted this week on a fan <laughs> in the audience, <laughs> and it is the Monster Among Men, the, the new Braun Strowman shirt. The first time I saw it, A, because we'd never seen it on TV before, and B, because it's a really good-looking shirt. I actually thought it was like a fan-made design that somebody had like ordered off the internet from some indie t-shirt maker or just like it had such a unique, sharp, striking look to it that it looked like fan art and not something that the WWE actually pumps out themselves because... I, there's a lot of good t shirts right now. AJ has a couple. Yep. Uh, Owens has done a, a few over the last little while. But, uh, you know, I think the vast majority of the tees that they pump out are not good. Not good at all. So to see something awesome and to see it just like, uh, to, to not even see it on a wrestler, but to see it <laughs> on a, a fan in the stands and be like, that's a nice shirt. I want that. <laughs> I think it is the debut t shirt from the Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman. I love it. Yeah, and with that, uh, I think that'll do it for for this week's Top Marks Pod. We went a little bit over an hour, but uh, man, it, was, got, it was good. Man, I this is if I was not on this show, yeah, I would still probably listen to it. Oh, good. I, I'm glad for a good compliment. <laughs> I think if I was not on the show, uh, I would not listen to it because like it'd probably just be like you yeah just asking questions and getting no answers and that's probably not that interesting this actually sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good show <laughs> a guy who just poses <laughs> questions and then there's like three and a half minutes of silence afterwards this is i'm healing up right now that was probably the most heel thing i possibly rhetorical could have questions with joshua Custodia. and this episode uh do we have any advice that we want to send the people with on their way before we wrap up Uh, be hot, be spicy, taste great? Yeah, watch yourself some Curry Man videos, ladies and gentlemen, because he's hot, he's He's spicy, spicy, he tastes tastes great, great. he's Curry Man! Yeah.